I'm Anuka. And I'm Jordan. And this is Making, Making It Big. Big. Um, today we're interviewing Ariana Williams, who is a junior who at NYU Tisch and is currently studying at Stone Street and um, also studied at Strasbourg. And um, we asked her here today just because Ariana for me is actually goals. I mean, I that's what I aspire yes. to be. And yes. I don't know how she does it. And so we're about to find we're out. Gonna find we're going to find we're out. We're going to find out. Um, the first question that we have for you is, how do you describe what you do? Obviously, you're an actress, but there's, like, more to it, and acting for everyone is, like, different, so. Yeah. Uh, well, first, thanks, guys, so much for having me on the podcast. This is my first ever time talking <gasps> on a podcast, so very, very exciting, and I'm just so proud of you guys and all of the things that you are doing, Aww, so it's just you. such an honor to be on here. Um, but so talking about kind of what I do... I would describe, I'm in an internship class right now where we all talk about our multi-hyphenates. So I would say as an artist, I identify as an actor, producer, editor, and those are kind of like my three things that I would say that I can do artistically. I'm getting into writing, and we'll see how that goes, and I have gotten an opportunity to take on a director role with my YouTube channel and the rebrand that's happened in terms of facilitating the rebrand channel trailer, but that I wouldn't add director to my multi-hyphenate because that was just a one-time thing that I got to do. Um, but yeah, I'd say first above everything, actor, producer, and editor because editing YouTube and all that kind of stuff has gotten me pretty, I'd say pretty knowledgeable about the editing world and how that works. But um, yeah, that's like a little cool. intro, but... Like expanding mm-hmm. more, I guess. On no, that, or? but like well, I was gonna say, you mentioned you were rebranding of your YouTube. Um, we have a question about that, actually. Um, what is it? <laughs> I don't know, but like you wrote it down. First of all, like how did how did you even start doing YouTube? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I actually got into YouTube when I was in eighth grade. I got a horrible, horrible curly haircut, and I was like, "What do I do now? How do I <laughs> fix this?" So I went to YouTube and I found Andrea's Choice. If anybody mm-hmm. has watched her videos, and she has like the most beautiful curly hair I'd ever seen in my life, and I kind of like followed her journey. And then once my hair got to a healthy point again, I really wanted to make my own channel, but I did because I was really scared that I was going to get made fun of in school and that kids were going to be mean to me, which is so stupid now looking back on it. But I was truly terrified of doing that. So I waited until I graduated high school and I had birthday money and Christmas money saved up and I went to Craigslist and I like bought a camera off of Craigslist and like asked my mom and my grandma to split it with me and make it like a very, very early birthday present. And I just kind of sat down and I was like, what video do I want to film? And I had just gotten into NYU, which was a huge accomplishment for me and a a huge life dream of mine. So I figured that people might be interested. And when I had accepted my admission to NYU, there were no videos, especially of women of color talking about what it's like going to NYU. There were like two YouTubers, this one guy and this one girl who I've met before. She's lovely, but Jake and Emma. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh But very, very white. And there was no one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was no one who looked like me. So I was like, well, I guess I'll talk about NYU and like maybe make a video. And that one video ended up getting like 32,000 views, which for the first video you put up on YouTube is like pretty insane. Mm -hmm. But it really showed that there was a need and a market for that. Um, So then that's kind of what my channel turned into as I 
moved from Arizona to New York, I just kind of documented it and talked about what the struggle of moving to New York was like. Um, so yeah, I forgot to say that, but I guess I would add YouTuber to, <laughs> to my multi-hyphenate. I always forget, and my teacher gets so mad at me, and she's like, your whole project so is about your YouTube, and you don't talk yeah. about it. And I'm like, oof. Honestly, you're right. you like your YouTube channel, my saving grace while yeah. I was applying. Oh, and like, so like I met Anuka like the mm-hmm. Tuesday of Welcome Week, and then I like walk into her room, and you're sitting there on the couch, and I was literally starstruck. I was like, yeah. Oh. Like, <laughs> can you imagine me? Like, now when you're describing this, I'm realizing that I've probably been watching you since the beginning of your YouTube channel, Ooh. which is crazy. Like, what? <laughs> um, and then it reminded me of like when we got roommate assignments. Obviously, your name was on it, and I was like, Ariana Williams? I know an Ariana Williams, but there's no way it's her, because, like, one, I know she's a junior. Like, she's why would she be living in Third North? Like, that's a freshman dorm. So I, like, let it go, and I was like, whatever, there's probably two Ariana Williams. What a coincidence. Wow. And then... I sent an email and was like, hi, I'm your roommate. Love me. And then you responded and like said that you were a junior at NYU Tish. I was like, oh, my God, wait, stop. Stop. It's the Ariana. (gasps) No. Yeah, honestly, like the coolest thing in my life. Oh, goodness. Honestly. And I know. You guys are too nice. (laughs) And I also admire like on your YouTube videos, you've always been like so honest about everything Mm -hmm. that you're going through. And it's so just like cool because like watching it your video about like your first semester of college yeah i really couldn't relate until like i went through it and i was like yeah it just like really is so tough like how did you stay focused and like really like make it through one of the things that really helped me get through my first semester was forgiving myself um and that can stem to a lot of different things because i had talked about nyu since i was in fourth grade i literally was like had this drama teacher who told me that that was the best drama department. So I was like, great, that's where I'm going to go before I even knew anything. And I had talked about it my whole life. I told everybody how amazing my life would be once I got here. And then I got here and don't get me wrong. It's amazing and incredible, but it took me time to adjust. And it was new people, new roommates. I didn't get along with one of my roommates first right off the bat. Like there were just so many things that happened all at once. And I felt guilty for feeling the way that I felt. I was like, I, my family has given up so much for me to be here. So many people have supported me on this journey. I don't get to feel this way. I don't get to be upset about things so when I would call my family back home or like talk to people I would lie and I would be like I'm great everything is perfectly fine and wonderful and then I would get down to film a YouTube video and I would know that my family is going to watch the video but I just knew that there was somebody out there who was going to watch it and Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to lie about it and there was this girl that I knew from a scholarship program that I went to who ended up going to USC and like she's lovely and wonderful and she posted her first semester video and I was like honey why are you lying? Yeah. I was like, you're not talking about any of the things that happened that I know you went through because we all go through it. There's mm-hmm. no and then some girl's going to watch that and think that it's going to be this picture perfect mm-hmm. time and, and get there. So- and it may be, but there are still going to be hard days and there are still going to be hard situations that you have to get through. And if you don't talk about that, then people are harder on themselves and they think well that girl had a picture perfect life so why don't I have that and the truth is is no one has that so the more that you're open about it and the more that you talk about it we're breaking those stigmas and and helping people actually get through them instead of being 
harmful to themselves by thinking that they're the only one going through what they're going through. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was really important to me to make sure that I didn't lie on my channel. Um, So sorry, mom and dad. (laughs) I lied to you. I lied to you way hard. But then, and then my mom would call me and she'd be like, I just watched your video. I'm confused. And I'd be like, let's not talk about (laughs) this. Isn't the time. Yeah. I totally get that. And it's Mm -hmm. just like the fact that you're also like not home and you don't want your parents like, to be away, like to worry, worry about, about you. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. I'm okay. I can handle it all on yeah. my own. <laughs> like there are there are a lot of nights where I think a lot of us are very upset with how the day is going or how a project is going or not going, and yeah. we just don't tell anyone about yeah. it because we want everyone to think that we're okay and doing well. And you have to talk about it or else it comes out mm-hmm. at the weirdest Worst times. Time. So I literally I had a Fitbit that I had just gotten for Christmas and I took it off because I was washing my hands in Palladium, which is one of our freshman or upper class in residence halls and dining halls and I took it off to wash my hands and I like turned around and then I came back and it was gone so Uh the girl that had been in there swiped my Fitbit and it like all of what I had been feeling came Came out out. when I called my mom and I was like literally hysterically sobbing like someone had (laughs) just like beat me up (laughs) to my mom and I was like my Fitbit is gone and she was like honey isn't about your Fitbit and and none of that emotion was about my Fitbit but it just like manifested and Mm -hmm. came out in this horrible way and so like you have to talk about it or else one day it's just all gonna come out and people are gonna be like where has this been coming from and you're like about that yeah 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 Yeah. I have another question yeah yeah this deviates a little from what we're talking about but still on YouTube I would say Mm -hmm. um we had a question about why you decided to revamp your channel. I know it was mm. to do with your internship, but mm-hmm. Ooh, yes. what else? Um, so last semester, I was very, very lucky. I was one of five kids chosen to be in an internship with the actress Bryce Dallas Howard, who is like an inspo of mine. She like sparked my racial crisis when I watched The Help back when I was a little kid. <laughs> so she has a lot of emotions tied to my life. I actually have never told her that. So that's <gasps> funny. <laughs> I hope she listens but to I this. Hope she does. <laughs> and be like, yeah, The Help was like literally an existential crisis for me, but it's fine. Um, so I was in that class with her and originally I had wanted my project to be a web series called Curl Boss, which was about black women and their relationship to their natural hair. Um, and I had in a previous class kind of developed all of the behind the scenes business plan things for that. Um, and I own the trademark for it and the little slogan for it. So Aww. I was like down packed. That's what I'm going to do in her class. And then she like Instagram stalked all of us to see what we were like, which Note, all employers stock people on social media now, so make sure your social media is what you want to present to the world. But um, she, like, stalked all of us, and she found my YouTube, and she was like, um, excuse me, what is this? And I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) hee-hee. Yeah, it's just this thing that I do. She's like, this is not just some thing that you do. This is, like, a platform of people who watch you and admire your opinion, and you could use this as a creative platform Mm -hmm. versus just making videos to make videos. And she was like, plus, like... It's not that you're fake on your YouTube channel. She was like, but you meet you in person and you have so much more going on to you. And your channel right now doesn't really reflect that. So it's like, yeah, you still talk about real issues, especially like moving to college and that kind of stuff. She was like, but then you'll post a video that's like, oh, a Zaffle try-on haul. (laughs) And she's like, I'm confused. And I'm like, so am I. We're just, we're just 
figuring it out mm-hmm. as we go along. And she's like, cool. So let's take this opportunity to really narrow down what you want your channel to be about. So I kind of sat down and thought about me as an artist and the type of art that I want to create and why I wanted to go into film in particular. So that my outreach to women of color is a lot broader in film than in theater, in my opinion. So that I kind of saw YouTube as my film medium and my ability to be able to reach people, anybody who has a computer, to be able to watch these videos. And what I wanted people to take away from my videos is honesty, like raw, true honesty about whatever situations I'm going on in life, but also confidence and motivation in every video that they watch to know that, you know, even when you're going through a hard time, you can still see the bright side of things and you can still see how things can get better and kind of learn from my mistakes so that they don't make the same ones. Kind of mm-hmm. like a big sistery feel versus yeah. like like big sister, but also like peer who's going through what you're going through. And when I figured that out, then there were so many videos on my channel that just didn't match that and just were being made because maybe they would get popular on YouTube or like mm-hmm. maybe people would want to watch it or I was trying to switch it up and that also manifested in an aesthetic change because mm-hmm. I most of the YouTubers that I was subscribed to are LA based. So yeah. their aesthetic is really white and bright and like pastel and that kind of stuff because that works for the environment they're in. But I'm in New York. There's yeah, no bright pink anywhere unless someone is wearing it during fashion week and then like it's all black everything. So she was like, it doesn't really match the life that you're living. So let's see how on a creative level you can change that Mm -hmm. as well. So I got a wonderful team together and I was very excited because that was the first time I got to kind of delegate an artistic vision to people and see how that would work. Um, Our graphic designer was incredible. Her name is Maddie and she was actually a subscriber. So I like put out a call on YouTube and um, Instagram and was like, I need a graphic designer or someone, please help. And Maddie was like, me. And she's also an Mm -hmm. NYU student who had been watching my videos. And so it was just super amazing for me. She's also a black woman. So that was like incredible to see that come for full circle. And this like, way that she told me how my videos helped her while she was applying and through her first semester just honestly warmed my heart so much and really brought home what the rebrand was about um and mostly just about not pretending anymore and being real and honest and my channel did start where my first subscribers were my parents and my friends from church and so I was like (laughs) very (laughs) very like wholesome on my channel um but I grew up a little bit and I I wanted to kind of grow my subscriber base up with me. Um, And I think that the rebrand has kind of done that. So, yeah, a long answer to that question. I hope that it. I'm having a lot more fun with that. I I can tell. Thank you. Because, like, Anuka and I, like, did, like, watch one of the videos together. Yeah. And it just, like, felt like, like, this is, like, like, this is what we live. Like, this is, like, like, this is my everyday. Yeah. And I really like it. Thanks, guys. Okay. Career questions. Yeah, Anuka really wants to talk about Eco Village. And, like, I'm interested in that, too. I don't know. I just feel because, like, personally for me, it's I'm, like, interested in how, like, as a woman of color, you just, like, navigated Navigated that that. space. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. It was a predominantly white cast. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know when you were walking back from seeing the show, you were talking to Jordan about the relationship between you and the other black character and how you guys yeah Mm -hmm. and how you guys built that that wasn't in the script um and i just found that really fascinating Mm. and interesting because it is something that as people of color that we have to navigate when we Mm -hmm. do things like that 
and I just think people don't realize that mm -hmm. or don't care to understand it sometimes. Yeah. So if you want to talk about that a little bit. And also tell like, us more about Eco Village. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> like, what is Eco Village? Yeah, so um, for those who don't know, Eco Village was my off-Broadway debut. It was the woo first. Woo. <laughs> Thank you. It was uh, the first professional show I was able to do and because of it I was able to get my um, actor's equity card which is very very exciting and something that just in general is a very daunting task to kind of even think about especially when you're in school um, but I was super fortunate because well actually it was so interesting because my agent sent me the script and I read it and at first I was like what is this because Eco Village is a is a play about this character Robin who goes to an eco village which is kind of like a hippie farm where mm -hmm. it's like a sustainable living situation where they're trying to live off the land and then eventually sell the extra produce after they're all able to be sustained um but the eco village is really not self-sustaining and um she shows up there and there's only one two three four five other people who are there and she's like oh i thought this would be like this wonderful mm -hmm. place to be and there's actually a lot of tension between all of the people and she falls for this character jake and they end up having a really toxic abusive relationship and it ends with the play has now ended so i feel like i can talk you about, can it. Talk about it, yeah. so it's also very hyper realist so it ends with all of the characters getting very very high on lsd and tripping out and killing the youngest character whose name is casey she's like a 16 year old girl who's at this eco village and then blaming all of it on my character robin and she's able to talk to the police and not be arrested for this murder and all of the other people are arrested. But she kind of walks away with this weird outlook on life where she's mm -hmm. still happy that she went and is still in awe of the deep connections she made with the people there. But it's also a really effed up situation and yeah. she recognizes that. So it's this whole like when you meet people who are super toxic and you know that they were bad for you, but... At, there's still something about them that you can't yeah. get over. So that's kind of what Robin is left with in there. But when I read the script originally, I fully pictured it as all white people. I read it and I yeah, was like, there's course. no way yeah. they're going to cast. Black people living off of, off of a farm? Literally. Like, what? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Confused. And I was like, um, and like there's one scene where Robin gets slapped by Jake's character. So it's yeah. a very abusive relationship. And I read it and I was like, there's no way that mm -hmm. I would let this man slap me. But whatever. So I went in for the audition and um, had a really great time. When I was leaving, I like clocked the director's face and called my mom after. And I was like, it was either like a absolutely not or like absolutely yes so we'll find mm -hmm. out so then I got the call back the next day and when I went to the call back I was the only black girl there the Crazy. only one and I was like cool great so if I, I don't get this job it could be genuinely because that girl is better than me or because white girl looks better with the yeah. white guy over there and all of the jakes at the callback were white, white. so it was just a very like uncomfortable space in a callback because I was super confused and I was trying to not let that get in my head and I was like okay like I'm just gonna show up and do the best work that I can do and if who matches better with who is why I don't get this job then that's up to the casting director and mm -hmm. that's not my business and I keep it moving but that's a very important thing because that's something we face in every audition and yeah. that shouldn't be it's what so we're crazy. thinking about like do you mm -hmm. think the white girl walked into the room and looked around and was like oh wow I'm the only blonde here no, no. like maybe she did but no, no. it's no. different it's very and different. it's 
one thing that can easily throw you in an audition and make you super in your head and that's something that we have to navigate every audition which Mm -hmm. just isn't fair and it's really hurtful and then like especially if they're doing chemistry reads and they're matching you with a partner it's like is it believable that I could be with this guy like da 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 and it's like so frustrating that that's something we get insecure about but I fully was like all of these boys are white Mm -hmm. let one person think that it's weird and I might not get this job yeah so went in did the chemistry reads felt really good about them and then I left and then two days later I got the call that I was offered the part and one I was just so warmed by the fact that the casting director saw like Mm -hmm. like I don't know. I don't know how to describe so it. So past superficial ideas. Yeah. Said, screw whatever mm-hmm. people might say about an interracial, in, interracial. interracial relationship on stage. This is the person that I wanted. Yeah. These are the best actors who I think can bring these characters to life. And so that was one, an amazing thing. And Kate Lumpkin, she's the casting director. She's just a wonderful human, a wonderful casting director. And if you even look at her Instagram, you see how much she cares about artists. Um, so that was really great. And then I showed up and a character who who I had not imagined as a black character at all was cast as black. Mm-hmm. So his so name cool. is Michael Aloyade, who is just the hardest working man in theater I have ever met. Oh my God, I love him so much. Um, he showed up and instantly I felt this like, cool you're yeah, my person yeah. in this cast Honestly. and, it, and <laughs> you see one other person of color you're my you're person like, you are my person and whether you think you it think we're I'm now friends yep. yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of like gravitated to him a little bit more just mm-hmm. like in the room and and I, I didn't even like realize I was doing it but it just kind of felt like home and felt like friendship and and a connection that I could have um, and so we sat down and we did our first table read and Robin and John Leroy, the character that Michael played, they have, it's not written that they're friends. They have scenes, scenes together, together where mm-hmm. they're talking and John Leroy's character is very wise and is kind of relaying information, but it could have been read very different mm-hmm. ways. One of the ways could just be like a person annoyed who has all this life experience who just tells this newcomer what the hell's going on and then live your best life but I read it and I remembered when I saw Iceman Cometh on Broadway with Denzel Washington Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um the character that Denzel was playing has never been played by a black man before it has always been a white character but the interesting thing is that the way the play is written is there's only one black character in a room of all white men and there's certain lines where the characters say things that are demeaning to the other black guy or he's like their joke friend who they all joke around and toy with and then there's a big scene where he explodes and then leaves and then you don't see that character again anymore so he like it's a very powerful moment because it's a person of color who's been kind of that token Mm -hmm. diversity person in the room exploding and it's very powerful but with Denzel's character in the room, I spent most of the time of the play being frustrated that he was Wasn't letting these white him. people treat his friend that way, and how yeah. it was f- like it was such a weird space yeah. because, because they didn't not address what would be in real life. No, it would not be if like someone that. like once said something to a nuclear class, I'd be like yeah. immediately on top. You of would yeah. shut it down. Yeah. Of even. Like, yesterday, there was a fight outside of our window. (laughs) (laughs) And it seemed seemed a little racially Racially charged. charged. (laughs) Um, Mainly because there was one black guy and surrounded by a bunch of preppy rich white boys. So we just, like, I don't know if that was what what actually happened, but it's what it looked like. And I was in the room with Jordan, Tatiana, and Rachel. 
So obviously, you guys feel something. You, we're all yeah. Color. Tatiana's yeah. about to like open the window and be like, "I'm here for you. <laughs> it's all good." Aww. Like that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Like in real life, if there's a person of color that you see being treated that way, you stand up for them. Yeah, you don't ignore it. And that's just what I would hope someone would do for me. So yeah. I'm absolutely going to do it for someone else. And it just. It just bothered me that the that they didn't do anything with that relationship of the only two black men in a space of very, very opinionated white men. It just there was so much that they could have done with that relationship to prove a point and to also share our experience on a Broadway stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just felt like it was totally missed. And that bothered me. So then when I read this in our first table read, because when we did it for the first table read, we did it all the way that it was written. So it was yeah. very like standoffish between Michael and I. And I was like, you know, and I shared that story and Michael was like, yes, like that is something that we really, really need to do. And I'm very fortunate that I f- it was a little ballsy for me to like stand up and be oh, like, I'm so this cool. new person who has I, yeah. never done an like never done in a union show, but this is really important to me and I hope my director is cool with me saying this. And mm-hmm. also the playwright who wrote the play was right was there. there and wow. I was like, Hope that this is okay that I'm saying that. Also don't really care if you don't think it's okay, but I'm gonna say it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very fortunate that our team was really wonderful and supportive and the director and playwright were instantly like, Yes, if that's something that's very important that's something that we're going to establish and so how can we block these scenes so that your friendship has something has somewhere to go and and a bond can be shared between the two of you um and something that was really important to michael and his character um jean leroy was a chef in Mm -hmm. the script but he didn't want it to come off like he was the, was servant. the, the servant. Like yeah. and that was yeah. something Honestly, that was never been, super important. Right? That. Right? I but didn't like it didn't that. come off like that. But like it I didn't, didn't. It did not it did at not. all. It I thought, wait, yeah. Now that, that you said that, it's like that. Yeah. It could have been that it way. Could've. And it most definitely it really was, was not. not. I'm so glad because he was really worried about it. And I told him, he came to me and I was like, Michael, it really doesn't come off that way. I told, I would tell you if I yeah. felt like mm-hmm. it looked that way, but just the energy that he brought to it and, and the way that he, the way he embodied his character and the way that he was costumed as well helped yeah. with it. He was more mm-hmm. like a, a cool hit. He just seems yeah. like he was chef, like a chef, like artist. His business. Yeah. yeah. Like that, an artist. An artist. That's like yeah. what he yeah. wanted for Jean Leroy, but it could have come off as the old man who is in the kitchen cooking for all these white people and so writing is like that's why I think it's so important how artists need to collaborate because Mm -hmm. writing is one thing and then when you bring an actor to it and then direction on top like it's all this very detailed interweb of ideas and our roles in theater coming together to bring a person to life so if one of those pieces had been off yeah. It could have looked yeah. horrible. The wrong message. The wrong message. Yeah. And that, like, mm-hmm. it reminds me that a lot of the times when we speak about what theater is and what we as actors do and we talk about showing the human experience, things like this are very important because we we don't want it to come across as something that's fake or, like, something that's not the way that it really is, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, with the friendships that form and the way that, a character would hold themselves in real life we mm-hmm. should be showing it the way it is and not just what we what has been shown mm-hmm. or what stereotypically people think yeah people. just bringing more truth to it yeah absolutely and we have to think how would i want 
this message relayed to me. I, I think about that a lot, not in terms of how an audience would accept my work, because I feel mm-hmm. like you have to make work for you and and not be concerned with an audience's response or else that's going to drive you crazy. But mm-hmm. I feel like if I was sitting in that room watching Eco Village, like how would I feel about yeah. watching mm-hmm. these two characters interact this way or yeah. watching Jean Leroy's character only be in the kitchen doing da 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 da? Like, yeah. how would that be received to me? And how can I, on my end, make sure that they leave with the message that I want to portray? Yeah. Um, and especially with the human experience, that's so important because there's people in the audience with that experience yeah. and yeah. you want to do it justice and you want them to feel like their story is being shared in a respectful, accurate yeah. way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't know all of this like you're just so like such a smart artist and mm-hmm. then, and so I'm like not surprised that you're like able to be in these rooms and like Thank be you. on off Broadway but like how was the process like for that like how did oh, you yes. even I'm not an actor mm-hmm. I'm a director and a writer but like I know from Anuka like it's just the process of just like getting your foot in the in room the to yeah. like show people that you are this wonderful artist is so hard mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we've said amongst ourselves is that we have to work twice as hard for half mm-hmm. the opportunities. Uh-huh. And that can be a motivational thing and it can also be a very self-harming thing because yeah. then you see every opportunity as the end-all be-all and you freak yourself out into the point where you're sick because you're like, if I don't get this now, when will my chance be yeah. again? So there's a balance between letting it uplift you and motivate you and letting it hurt you and tear you down but that has always been something that has kind of motivated me so I've seen every opportunity and don't get me wrong it was not a linear positive Mm -hmm. battle I go up and down literally this past week I had a very down you live with Mm -hmm. me so you saw I had a very down (laughs) pilot season has been fun but basically like when I was a freshman I kind of had that mentality and I knew that in order for me to get into the bigger rooms that I wanted to get into, you need an agent. And when you get higher up and you have a little bit more experience, you don't really need an agent. When people know who you are, you can yeah, like start getting – they'll get they'll yeah. offer you roles. So you'll see a lot of times like really big stars don't have agents and mm-hmm. will maybe just have a manager or maybe just have a publicist and a lawyer or something like that. But uh, I think when you're first starting out, especially as a person of color having a team is very important to help push you Mm -hmm. to get into those rooms so I was very fortunate and I went to LA and I my aunt lives there so I stayed with my aunt in LA who's wonderful I love you auntie Desi thank you (laughs) I stayed with her and I took an acting class with someone that they knew from church because LA is just soul-sucking to me I like truly despise LA Um, and this acting class was like the one thing that brought me joy and he brought in an agent from Abrams Artist Agency who was one of his old clients in the class who grew up to become an agent. And she watched me do a monologue in the class. And what I think is – there's going to be so many, like, little tidbits along the story. But the first tidbit is yes. to be as knowledgeable about the industry that you want to mm-hmm. go in as you can. You need to know who is casting what, who is agents for who, who looks like you who's in the industry, and what have they been doing and how have they been doing it and who is their team because if you're ever in the room with those people you want Want to know know. and you want them to know that you know why you want to do this and I actually learned that from when I was like 10 watching America's Next Top Model no way I swear I swear and Tyra Banks was (laughs) roasting this girl who had no do you know what episode I'm talking about about. literally she was roasting this girl who didn't know a model yeah she didn't didn't know know anything it was go sees and she was like like, 
Yes. Yes. She didn't know anything. And Tyra was like, how dare you say you want to be a model and you don't know who this person is. You don't know who Naomi Campbell is. You don't know what you're doing. Like roasted her. And I was like, I I have to know everything. (laughs) (laughs) So I've always tried to know who was doing what and what was going on. So the woman who came in from Abrams Artist Agency is this woman, Fatmata Kamara, who I had known because I was researching brown people in the industry and Jordan Fisher is wow. like a well, very young up and coming talent at this time yeah. and she was his agent so I had her in my phone just like as and I had her email but like if I ever did anything worth emailing to her then I would but I knew who she was when she came in she is also a black woman so that was I knew that when she was going to come in the room so I tailored my monologue that I did in class to also connect with the fact that we were both women of color mm-hmm. smart, smart so women. I did a monologue from the Octoroon which um, is a play about well it's kind of I shouldn't get into that play because it's like oh. very emotional it's a play yeah but that <laughs> word in general is like a derogatory word for mm-hmm. people who were in eighth black um, yeah. and it was kind of like the one drop rule so the character it, I gender bended and the character is a playwright who is really frustrated because he can't get white people to play racist in his mm. play because white people are like oh I don't want to come off racist and he was like do what I'm telling you he's like you have no problem in the rest of your life and then here yeah. you are yeah, honestly yeah. yeah so that's kind of what the play was about and so I did my monologue from that and I guess she really liked it because she brought me in to meet with the LA team um, and I was really fortunate I did my audition for them again and then they were like great um, we'll have you with our office but you're going to be based in New York so we're going to call the New York office and have you meet with them when you get to New York so um, in that sense I think navigating that room it was myself Fatmata who is another woman of color and then two white women and it was a little bit interesting because they I, Domina is a woman who is I think at that time was equal level with Fatmata but Pamela is the woman who like ran the whole mm-hmm. young adult department and I was very nervous doing my monologue for them because I was like is this going to come off too angry is this going to come off yeah. too aggressive for yeah. these women and then they're like not going to see me because at the time they had a lot of character uh, a lot of actors who were on Disney so I was mm-hmm. like this is not the not Disney image that yeah. I'm going to put out but I want you to know who I am as an, as an artist so this is important to me and again I think I was just really fortunate to be in a space with people who were really receptive to that. Um, So then when I met with the New York office, my agents in New York are also white. And it was that one was a little bit trickier of a conversation to navigate because that one was more about what's hot right now in TV. And they were like, you are like hot right now in TV. And they meant well. And don't get me wrong. Agents in general are going to see you and see money and see how they can like make money off Mm -hmm. of you. But I was like, great. CW is great and all. But like. I don't only want to do TV. Let's talk about the artists that I really respect. And so I kind of went through all of the actors and and projects that I really admire, which are all films and which are all like film actors. And they were kind of Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, okay, if that's what you want. Um, And so then I really pushed to get more theater auditions. And that's when I got Eco Village, um, which had nothing to do with color. Um, which frustrated me a little bit because that was in our conversation. But then it was also a great opportunity yeah. to make that about my experience yeah. and my life experience and what and you want to say that didn't originally me. have that. Um, but so I guess how did I go about doing that? 
doing a lot of research Mm -hmm. and no one is going to do the work for you. You have to do the work for you. And at the end of the day, IMDb Pro is expensive, but it has the emails of every industry person ever online and it's 20 bucks a month. But I have gotten so many opportunities from emailing people because I find their email on IMDb Pro. Wait, you just email people. You're like. Yeah, literally. Are you serious? Yeah, literally. So like if I'm like when we were doing 12 Angry Men, I went to IMDb Pro and I was like, cool, who are some managers that I want to invite to 12 Mm -hmm. Angry Men? And then I like look up people who look like me or people who are my age who look nothing like me and go to their managers and see if they have a woman who's my breakdown. And if they don't, then I invite them to shows. And like if you like whatever you're doing, if you like just like your director thing that what are you directly yeah earthquakes like even with that like whether people are going to come or not just updating them and be like hi my name is jordan this is what i do i'm directing are you serious if you have a free night i would love to invite you people also love wine so if there's ever going to be like wine at a thing you can be like oh there's going to be a wine and cheese reception or something and then like even if you're the one that brings the wine they're gonna come because they want wine so imdb pro magician (laughs) am i hearing that jordan and i are gonna invite people to watch earthquakes because you have to think like everyone wants to succeed so like an agent wants a good up-and-coming client a casting director doesn't want to sit through 500 auditions if they can come see a show and know that you're going to be the person they want in their show like they don't they want to succeed and they want their jobs to be made easier for them so you have to make it easier for them by showing them that you're the person they want and so i just try a lot harder than other people that I'm in class with and not in like a pat myself on the back kind of way but in a I know that I've wanted this my whole life so I'm gonna sit and do everything I can on my end to make those people know that I know that I'm worth taking a shot on and I'm worth yeah and it's also really frustrating because like you have to be the most prepared person in the room especially as a woman of color I came in the first the first rehearsal for Eco Village I was off book on all my monologues and everyone was mad at me because I didn't mean to make them look bad I swear but it was also like it's just so you know you have to work harder and it's like it's a natural thing yeah it's a subconscious thing that you don't realize you do but you do it yeah yeah like Anouk and I were talking about this last night, but, like, it's ingrained in us that you just have to be better than everyone. Mm -hmm. You just have to work harder. And if you're not, like... And to be like to shine and to be important, you have to be better you have than to be better than. And if else. you're not like shining, if you're not doing the best, then doing you the best don't that matter. You can do, then you like don't ma- like yeah. the world just will not look no. at us. And I don't I don't want us to feel that way. And it's horrible that society has made us feel that yeah. way. But we can take that and we can turn that and say that is my weapon now. Mm-hmm. And now in the room, I'm going to be the person who knows what the heck is going on and who can walk up to a person and be like, I know what you have cast before I know your background not hi I'm so and so I'm an actor I can go up and be like I really respect your work I really admire your work this is my name this is my work this is what I can bring to the table and you have already established yourself as a person Mm -hmm. and I admire that and approaching rooms that way it's so powerful it's just that it's different than how people People, who haven't had to fight for what they want walk into a space and being in stone street right now the people that i'm in group with are wonderful and amazing and they're very very incredibly talented but you can tell the difference there's this one girl in my group in particular who knows so much about the film industry and it's just a different energy listening to her contribute to a conversation because she knows what the teacher is talking about and they're able to challenge each other and both grow together versus someone who has no idea what's going on and is just there to receive information Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that also works in a casting space and in a director role if you're walking into a room and you don't have the knowledge 
to you don't even need the experience because as a person of color it's so hard to get the experience <laughs> yeah it's yeah. so hard to get the opportunities yeah. to get the experience but you can make up for that in knowledge and in background information that you can walk in a room with to make everybody know that you are a force to be reckoned with and this is your opportunity and you're gonna take, take as it. best advantage of it as mm-hmm. you can Wow. wow. I'm like and literally like so inspired. I'm <laughs> like, wow. Okay. And on this inspiring note, here we go. Obsession, Obsession Corner. Corner. So, Ooh. Obsession Corner is a thing Anuka and I do where we just talk about what obsessions. And like, week. it's it's just things that we've been thinking about throughout mm-hmm. the week. And um, yeah, I feel like I went first for Obsession Corner. So, you knew. Well, what about. Or why Ari- doesn't Ariana go first? Today? Ooh. I know it's it's really hard. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of being put on the spot, but um, hmm. I feel like I've had a couple. I don't know. I feel like so I have had box braids for like the past five months, and this is the longest I've had my hair out for a while. Yay. So I've just been really obsessed with like curly hair products and like figuring mm-hmm. out how to restyle my curly hair again. That has been super fun. It's mm-hmm. also <laughs> it's so funny because there are people who know me only with my braids from oh, I know what you mean. I, that's crazy. <laughs> it's no. crazy to me because I've never, braids are very new for me, junior year. Yeah. And so the people in my studio, I came in with my hair and they're like, oh my God, your <laughs> hair. I love it. I'm like, okay, thank you. I don't. <laughs> like it's literally the equivalent of taking my hair up and taking my hair down. Exactly. Whatever. Um, so that's been a super funny thing that happened this week, but now I'm like obsessed with curl creams mm-hmm. and yeah. oils. And Your hair looks good. I, oh, I agree. You. Like, and wow. you know it's grown. Oh, thanks. Guys. It's really mm-hmm. out here thanks. showing us all up. Really. And you can you can go. Okay. I need a second. <laughs> you need a second. I need a second. You go. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll go. Okay, so. Solange dropped her new oh, album Friday. Yes. And I cannot stop listening to it. When I tell you, like, I went to sleep singing it and I woke up singing it, like, I need <laughs> to stop listening to it. Live that life. <laughs> I need uh. to stop listening because then I'm going to get annoyed with it, like, really fast. Oh, no. But also, like, it's Solange and she can do no wrong. <laughs> She's such an artist. Like, her music is good. I don't know. She just creates, like, beautiful and empowering mm-hmm. art. And I love it. every second of her album. And that's my obsession. Yeah. I love that for you. Okay, my obsession's weird this week. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> so on Friday, me, Jordan, sure. and our friend Jocelyn <gasps> went to a witch shop. It was fun. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> what? A witchy shop. Ooh. Hex, hex. <laughs> Thank you, hex. Um, Jesus Christ, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, but not since then, because we went to a witch shop like a couple weeks ago when we went to Brooklyn but this week I've just been thinking about the universe spirituality witches I watched twitches one and two (laughs) like why am I obsessed with this I don't know when we went to the shop I was gonna buy stuff and then I was like no I can't buy anything because if something goes wrong I I don't want the blame to be on me I want to be able to blame the universe (laughs) Yeah, she literally was like, I'm not going to buy anything because she was like, I'm not going to like mess around with the universe. She was like, I'm just not yeah. buying anything. I'm not going to mess around with the universe. I just don't want it to be my fault. <laughs> I want it to be the universe's fault. But anyway, witches. <laughs> Spirituality. Where is the message in this? 
There doesn't have to be a message. I think you're okay. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think the message, I think the message is, is, is trust the universe. It's trust yeah, the universe. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Because you didn't buy anything because you wanted to trust the universe. Yes. That's that's the message, Nuka. Ooh. Thank you for helping me find my message today. Anytime. <laughs> that's a great message. Trust the universe in everything. It's so like true, though. With your hair, with your career, <laughs> with Solange, with your YouTube channel, with everything. Yeah. Um. So thank you so much for talking to us today. Yes, thank you. You're literally just out here being a queen, a badass bitch, just like taking control <laughs> of your art and your message. Aww, and thank you for sharing that with thank us. Thank you. And it's also very inspiring to be around you because oh I gosh. think I really feed off of your advice. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Oh, <laughs> thank you guys. Honestly, like, I think... One thing I've noticed from you guys is you don't give yourself enough credit where credit is due. You guys are doing amazing things. Truly, truly amazing things. And I think part of the thing is also owning when you're doing that thing. Like right now, you guys are doing the thing. You guys got a team together. Mm -hmm. You guys have a whole social media team. Like You guys are like doing the thing. And that's basically what I was talking about, about like being knowledgeable and like knowing what you're doing and having something like this to add to your multi-hyphenate status as artists to be like I do this but I also do this and mm-hmm. it's so empowering and inspiring and you guys are doing the exact same thing in podcast form and Aww, thank, you. thank you yeah. thank you I love you guys Aww, I love you guys <laughs> <laughs> alright okay, um, we gotta end this okay. thank you <laughs> thank you for listening to making it big um, and yeah we'll catch you guys next, next week. week bye bye